We just sing about loving God. Love. It's a four-letter word, isn't it? Packed with meaning. What is love anyway? What, what adjectives pop into your mind when I mention the word love? By the way, this is the interactive part of our service. So you can, go ahead. What, what words kind of pop into your mind when I mention the word love? Go ahead, just kind of shout them out there. Patience, good. Unconditional. Unconditional. Compassion. Family. Good. What else? We'll get this straightened out in just a second. Jesus, always the right answer here at Southside, right? Necessary. Good. Commanded. Good. Sacrifice. Compassion. Good. You give me all the church answers. Any other thoughts? Tough. Yeah, I like that. Forgiveness. Good. Good. Well, that's our quest this morning. We're going to look at this uh, word that we kind of bounce around and uh, try to put some feet to it. They say love makes the world go round. And part of that statement is true. Uh, love can be seen and it can be heard in our music, our movies, our clips, our tweets, our emojis, or whatever you want to do with it. Uh, we all have this idea and concept of love. So if you have your sermon notes you'd like to follow along, I suggest you do that. I think there's some good stuff in here for today. Well, what's love got to do with it? In essence, everything. In essence, everything. Paul would write in the love chapter, that the greatest virtue of all is what? Love. The greatest of these is love. He mentions faith and hope, but those will pass away one day. Love won't ever end, right? So, love, very, very important. Jesus modeled it in your first blank there. A greater love has no one than this, that one should lay down his life for his friends. Okay. We'll take a short break here. I'll be back in just a moment. Hello? Check. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Jesus modeled it. He lived it. And lastly, he commanded it. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. Now we go back to that point where he lived it. As the fathers loved me, so at the end of his life, he would say, have I loved you. But it's not just a matter of me loving you. I want you to take this message to others. 
love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Now, these last three verses came from the Gospel of John. They are statements that Jesus made just before he would be executed, crucified on a cross. In fact, in the Gospel of John, love is mentioned 57 times. And in total, then, the New Testament tells us that Jesus personally spoke about love 57 times. So, uh, definitely a a theme there. Oh, I'm sorry, 53 times. All right? So, the Master taught that uh, love is the foundation of Scripture. Love is the foundation of our faith. In fact, love is what separates Christianity from every other world religion. Every other world religion is based upon the fact that we attempt to get to God and show our love for whatever being is out there by working hard to gain his favor or her favor and be loved by the deity. Christianity is the only religion that says uh, we can't love until we experience the love that God has for us. So it separates Christianity from every other world religion in a very, very profound way. An expert in religious law tried to trap Jesus with this question. He said, uh, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, Jesus quoting from the Old Testament. A second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So everything that we believe is based on this principle of love. Okay, this is just kind of review. Everyone understands this, uh, but we're laying a foundation here. Okay, so Jesus said, "Love God, love others." Pretty simple formula. Now, major theme of First John is also the idea of love. In fact, forty-six times in these five short chapters, the word "love" is used. It's kind of a biggie with John. He wants us to know this is the essence of his encounter with Jesus. It's about love. Now, this final installment of 1 John begins with verses from chapter 5. Let me read some for you. Every person who believes that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah is God-begotten. If we love the one who conceives the child, we'll surely love the child who was conceived. The reality test on whether or not we love God's children is this. Here's the check, folks. Do we love God? Do we love God? Do we keep his commands? Because Jesus would say, he who has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me, right? They go together, these two principles. The proof that we love God comes when we keep his commandments and they are not at all troublesome. And so the reality check that we have here is, do we love God? Do we love God? Do we keep his commands? So let's keep it kind of simple this morning. What does it mean? To love God. What does that look like? What is this love anyway? Now, the simplest description of God in Scripture and God's own description of Himself is this God is love. Remember, we did the Scripture memory a few weeks back in 1 John 4 16. Remember that? So let's memorize Scripture again today, shall we? That's kind of out of fashion today uh, because we have technology which can point to a verse very, very quickly. And I'm getting more and more concerned that we're relying on technology to find what's in God's Word rather than putting in our heart by memorizing it with our brain. Just a little side note there. Uh, but at any rate, let's memorize together. 1 John 4.16, what does it say? God 
is love. Okay, we do this together. It's another interactive portion of our service, okay? Let's do 1 John 4, 16. Okay, now, you see the scripture reference at the beginning and at the end in the verse in between, okay? So you guys do it for me. Here we go. Ron, I want to thank you. That was absolutely spot on, okay? So we know this to be true. God is love. It's a description he gives himself. Now, that's not all he is. God is holy. God is just. God is all kinds of things. But it's important that we begin, at least for our purpose today, with this understanding that God is love. Now, the word for love used here in the verb form is agapao in the original language. Agapao. Say that with me. Okay, you see that little dash over the last A? That's the accent. So you got to kick that part. Agapao. Try it again. No, pao. Okay, try it again. Agapao. Yeah, I love you too. Okay, so the idea here is Greek has several distinct and colorful words to define love. You've heard of agape. We're using the verb form of agapao. It has to do with unconditional love. In the scriptures, it's used almost every time to express God's relationship to us, the object of his love. So this love emanates from God. Almost every time that's used in scripture is God's, the way he looks at us. It's an amazing kind of love. It's his unconditional sacrificial love. But almost every time it's used in the Bible, keep that in mind. It's that it's used to describe God's relationship to us because we are the object of his love. Do you understand that God loves you? Do you get that? He loves you. The, you are the object of his love. It's an incredible, mind-blowing kind of thought, right? So we have that word, agapao, okay? And then we'll go to phileo, which is a different kind of love used in Greek. Uh, Philos is the noun. Phileo is the verb. What words do we get from this word? Philadelphia or philodendron, which means a tree of love, but that's a whole different kind of thing. Uh, So the idea is it's emotional, it's tender love, it's primarily love for people who are closely connected to us, either by blood or by faith. We love each other, we love our family. This is often expressed in this phileo or philos kind of love. Make sense to you? So the first kind of love, agapao love, has to do with this unconditional kind of sacrificial love. The second layer then underneath that is those of us who are connected either by blood or or spiritually, in the same family of God. It's this tender, emotional kind of love. And the last type that's used in this period of Greek is eros. What words do we get from that? Erotic, correct. It has to do with the physical, sensual side of love. Now, understand that version of love is never mentioned in the Bible. Now, think about that. Here's what the Bible says. Agapao, phileo, right? And eros, never even mentioned. Now flip it upside down and welcome to America. When I mention the word love, it's the eros love that immediately pops into our mind. The physical, that which can be seen and felt and enjoyed. A word not even used in the Bible. 
Then we get to our family kind of love. Okay, yeah, Christmas and all the family kind of stuff, right? Okay, so, so we enjoy that kind of love. But we miss out on this agapao, this sacrificial, unconditional love. It's way on the bottom in our culture. We've completely inverted what the Bible has said is the proper use and expression of love. Make sense to you? So the erotic, the eros kind of love is what's primary in this country. The Bible doesn't even mention that because it's an afterthought. It's a byproduct of getting love right on the top, which is agapao. Once that's right, then the erotic part, the eros part will take care of itself. Okay. Everybody understanding that? So we're looking at agapao. One of the rarest words in ancient Greek literature, but it's one of the most common words of the New Testament. It's counterculture in every phase of human history. Okay? It's based on a choice of the mind and will. While it might include strong emotion, in agapao love will often include very strong emotion it's love that chooses to do no matter what the mood no matter what my situation no matter what my circumstances are it's love that's based on a choice and act of the will it's sacrificial it is unconditional it is only coming from god we can't love that way we do not have the capacity within us to love consistently that way unless we first experience the love of god we love because he what first loved us We cannot even attempt to love that way consistently unless we have first encountered the love of God. Now, Jesus said we are to love God, agapao, well, of our heart, soul, mind. Mark adds the word strength. Now, when he's saying that, he's not dissecting us into parts, but calling every part of us to a whole and a complete love for God. Make sense to you? So when he breaks those parts down with all of your, with all of your, with all of your, he's not saying, okay, this part, this part, this part. He says, no, all of you, every essence of your being, love God completely with that kind of love that God first expressed for us. And we can't love that way until we first encountered his love. Okay? Now, loving God is intelligent then. It is emotional. Yes, it is. And it is willful, right? It's all of those things. It is wide-ranging. It is all-embracing. It is far-reaching. It is across the board. The key characteristic that we are truly a part of God's family, John is saying, is answering that question. Do you love God? Do you keep his commands. Hmm. If that truth is not penetrating our thoughts, our actions, our everyday life, then our faith may simply be an acknowledgement that Jesus is divine. Whoopee ding! The demons acknowledge that. This changes the way we live, it changes the way we think. <clears throat> now, Here are some simple love lessons for us this Christmas. God is love. Where's that found, by the way? Yes. Yes. 1 John 4.16. So if I ask you, hey, do you know what 1 John 4.16 says? You say, oh, you guys are good. You are good. So, yeah, we start with that. God is love. God is love. That's the essence of his being and his character, right? God is this. He's more than that, but he is love. 
From that flows. And the second point, God demonstrates His love. If He is love in a noun kind of sense, then He's going to demonstrate, express that love in a verbal sense because what we are is what we do. Make sense to you? Okay, so God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God is always going to express His love. Agapao love will always express itself. Always express itself. Right? So, God demonstrates His love. We must do likewise. Here's what John said. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Show it to me. Prove it to me. And you know, if you're married, you can say, Honey, I love you. And the usual response is what? I love you too. Or, prove it. I'd like to see it in some actions, like, how about doing the laundry or the dishes? Or, or uh, how about taking out the garbage? Or how about fixing that? Li- whatever it is, right? Show me you love me. Don't just say the words. Meaningless. Show it to me, right? So the love chapter in the Bible is found in 1 Corinthians. Well, no, we'll get there in just a second. Let me stay with this for another moment. I think the essence of Christmas is all about God demonstrating His love for us, don't you? Paul would put it this way. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. We all do this gift thing at Christmas, right? Part of our culture and tradition, right? Gift giving. Ho, ho, ho. I just saw a commercial last night in which Santa was on there, and it was weird because he said, I've been doing this for 2,000 years. I'm like... Huh? St. Nick's been around that long? Yeah, yeah, he can. It's amazing, right? So what gift is Paul talking about? For God, so, come on, that he gave, keep going, it's right there. Good. For God so loved the world. Here's the word agapao again. God demonstrating his love. He's showing us his incredible love. And it's all about Jesus. Now, thirdly, God's love then overflows. It's not only demonstrated. It's a part of his character, his essence, his nature. It's going to overflow. We love each other because he first loved us. So what does this love look like if we're going to find out what true love really looks like we have to go to the teaching passages in scripture in the bible the teaching passage about love i think the best one is first corinthians 13 now in just about every wedding i've done over three decades this passage of scripture is read it becomes almost too familiar here we go love is patient and kind Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice when injustice, about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. You like that? Isn't that a marvelous passage of Scripture? It's so very encouraging. So how are we doing with this love thing? All right, if those are the attributes then of love, and we say, oh yeah, I love God, and I'm trying to love my neighbor, right? What does that look like exactly? So Paul writes for us some descriptions of what love looks like. 
and how it plays out in everyday life. Now, uh, you should have gotten the test because that's what we're going to do now together as a congregation. This passage or this piece of paper says love test. Who needs one? Anybody need one? Yep. Ushers, can we get a couple up here? Good, thanks. Good. If you need one, I'd like everybody to take one. Don't do it together, okay? So take one. How many of you like taking tests? Yeah, Sandy. Yay. Yay. Good. Yeah. So we'll call an evaluation. We'll drop the word test. Okay. We're going to do a love evaluation. All right. You know, I really thought uh, I'd let I turn you loose, but I think we're going to do this together. So try not to get ahead. Those of you that are just that way, um, you're on the last page already. But let's just think about this for a moment, okay? So here we go. These are the descriptions of love. Love is patient. What does that mean? Here's what I'm saying. I keep my cool when people get on my back. I am slow to get angry with those I love. I rarely yell at people, even though I'm alone in the car, or lose my temper. Right? So how are you doing? All right? This is a scale 1 to 10. 1 being, uh-uh. 10 being, yeah. Okay? So rate yourself there. How are you doing with love is patient? That's what we're talking about. Keeping our cool. Right? Okay, let's move on. Love is kind. I really try to be thoughtful of those around me. I'm willing to praise the success of others. I share my time and concern when is needed and... I am always on the lookout to build others up. In other words, uh, kindness is expressed outwardly. How are we doing there? Would you consider yourself a kind person that's looking to others? And how can I be a blessing to you? Uh, I, I'm really glad when you succeed. And if you're a Viking fan, you're saying, yeah, go Vikings. Yeah, okay. All right. Love is not jealous. I'm not upset when others perform better than I do or get promoted ahead of me, even when it's undeserved. They got that! What? I am not threatened by others' talents or relationships or possessions. Huh. If only I had their house or their car or their spouse. Or... When I'm overlooked, I don't punish people with my moods. Okay, how you doing with that one? Love is not jealous. All right, love is not boastful. I don't hog the spotlight in the group. I avoid focusing. It's not all about me, really. I strive to make others look good and don't tell exaggerated stories about my life and my accomplishments. I don't exaggerate. All right? How are we doing with that one? Okay? Love is not proud. I know my limitations and work within them. I don't need special attention or favors for me to cooperate. I don't go around putting other people down so I can look better. Okay? How are we doing? Love is not rude. I avoid making any crude or sarcastic comments in social media or in any other way to others or about others. Instead, my conversation is polite, supportive. My approach to others is sincere and friendly. I'm not a rude person, am I? You don't live with me. You don't know. <laughs> all right love is not selfish i am not self-centered 
Oh, we could stop on that one right there. I am not self-centered. I avoid making others fit my expectations. I am not possessive of my friends or my possessions or anything else. I don't always insist on my way. I want to learn other ways of doing things. Okay? We're going to the back. Love does not demand its own way. I am not touchy, crabby, defensive, or super sensitive. (laughs) I don't lay my bad moods on others. Right. I am approachable, warm, open, and easy to get along with. I'm not demanding my own way. It's not all about me, right? Okay. Love keeps no record of wrongs. I'm quick to forgive those who have hurt me. I don't fight back. I don't seek revenge. I forget mistakes others make and avoid holding grudges, at least for too long. Okay. Love does not rejoice about injustice. When someone is proven wrong, I avoid self-satisfaction. I never take delight in someone else's failure, even if it has made me look good. When someone slips up, I am there with encouragement instead of, I told you so. Okay. Love rejoices when truth wins. I welcome honesty, transparency, justice even when it shows my weaknesses i am willing to give credit and praise wherever it is due i'll live my commitment to god honestly and i'm willing to admit my mistakes i'm an authentic person at least i'm trying to be that way how are we doing love never gives up when my relationship with someone is in a struggle i keep sharing i'm not shutting down i'm not disconnecting I never miss an opportunity to help someone. There is no rejection or failure that can make me give up on my commitment to love. And I will love hard and I won't give up. How you doing? Okay, so now the rest is for you to do. The last three, you can do those real quick. After taking this inventory, I feel like <laughs> for me loving as Christ loved is, and then I'm going to do, if, if I'm going to do anything about this, I need a little more. So you do those three, okay? And then we'll talk about it and close just for a moment. Thank you for doing that. Okay. Friends, understand. The Lord loves us. And this exercise is in no way designed to shame or heap more guilt. There's too much guilt and shame in our world. This is to stimulate us to deeper love for God. Please take it for its intended purpose, all right? It's not to bring guilt and shame like, oh man, I'm not doing so hot. Not doing so hot in some of these areas. Good, good. That's where it starts. That's where it starts right okay so let's think about this just for a moment uh why don't you exchange papers with a person i'm just kidding just kidding but no i'm not because by the way there are some super spiritual smug people sitting in this room right now who think you've got your act together you're doing really well in this love thing maybe you are praise god for that good always room to grow right but there's certain smugness when we evaluate ourselves and i'm saying you got enough guts you not got enough guts you give it to your spouse you give it to your girlfriend you give it to one of your teenage kids and let them fill it out for you 
Because guess what? We're looking at ourselves with these little blinders on. We give it to another person. All of a sudden, those blinders get ripped off and they're seeing stuff about us we don't even see. I want to be courageous enough to let others speak that truth into my life, right? Then we'll know how we're really doing because we're always going to evaluate ourselves either way too low or way too high. I want an honest evaluation. How am I doing here? Lord, how am I doing with obeying your commands? I want to love you. I want to love others, okay? So you're saying, oh, I think my spouse would agree. Let's ratchet it up one more notch. How about giving this form to somebody you don't like or you know doesn't like you? What are they going to say about you in that moment? What are they going to say about you in that moment? Because this is what separates Christianity from every other religion. Hear my heart on this. It's extremely, extremely important. You've heard that the law says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say love your enemies. In that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there in that? If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. The essence of what we believe is demonstrated with the people who rub us the wrong way then we'll know that Jesus Christ is really in control of our lives. That makes sense to you? Let others evaluate you on your love quotient who will give you honest feedback. The people you haven't been so loving to. It's easy to do it in church. It's easy to do it perhaps in your own family. Try it out there. That's where love has to be demonstrated so people will be attracted to Jesus. That you don't have any reason to love me. But you still do. What's going on with you? How can you do that? This is a life lived for Jesus. Loving. Agapao. Our enemies. No other religion teaches that. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. So, man, this is really convicting for me. (laughs) It's like, wow, wow. But I don't do this to lay any shame or guilt on any person here. Because God loves us. God loves you. And he's waiting with open arms. And this, please hear my heart, this is not a call to, I got to do better. I got to work harder in this area. I'm one of these. It's patience. Love is patience. I'm not so good there. I got to realize. Don't work on it. We can't change it. All we can do is surrender to Jesus and say, Lord, this is yours. I can't do this. You try working harder. Next year, you're going to be sitting in the same place talking about the same thing. It's only through surrender to Jesus, not trying to make it better and fix ourselves. No, let it go. Let Jesus do it through you. That's what he's pleading with us. Don't try to work this thing out. Try to make yourself a more loving person. It won't work. Jesus is saying, just surrender to me. Lay your life down again for me. I can only love 
because he's first loved me. Do you know that love of Jesus? Have you experienced that freedom that comes from loving him by making him Lord and Savior? Do you know this Jesus? If not, we'd love to talk with you about that. If you say, yeah, I, I, I know this Jesus. Way back when I was a kid, I remember the carnival used to come to my central Wisconsin town once a year. It was a big deal. They used to have this machine that could measure your love quotient for a quarter. I think it was a quarter. Maybe it was a nickel. Ten cents? Anybody remember nickel? Okay, that's going way back, all right? And it went from red hot to ice cold. You know, you put your hands on these things and it'd give you kind of a reading of your love quotient. Remember those days? <laughs> Technology is a whole lot simpler. Jesus told John to write down these words to the church in Ephesus. They're recorded for us in Revelation chapter 2. He said this, I see what you've done. Jesus said, I see your hard work. I see your refusal to quit. I know you can't stomach evil. I know your courage in my cause that you never wear out. But you have walked away from your first love. Why? Why? What's going on with you anyway? Turn back. Recover your dear early love. There's no time to waste. There is no time to waste. Come back to your first love so that you can love others. Maybe it's time to come home for Christmas. And the love that God has for you. He's not asking you to be better or work harder. He's just asking you to surrender. To let Him love others through you. The people who are easy to love and the people that are really tough to love. Only He can do that in our hearts. Coming home for Christmas. Back to our first love. Not working harder, but surrendering more fully to the love that He has for us. What a gift that would be from heaven. Let's pray together, church. Father, I come to you confessing my need for more of Jesus. And I continue to pray, God, would you give me a sensitivity in my own spirit when I am unloving in my thoughts, in my attitudes, in my words, and in my actions. Lord, I give you permission for your Holy Spirit to convict me quickly and convict me thoroughly when I am not loving the way that you love me. Lord, I'm grateful for your forgiveness because I know I will fail and yet I want to be more like Jesus. Loving the way that you love me I can't do this, Father. 
It's too hard. And so I surrender to you again. Thanking you for your love and your goodness and your patience with me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've provided all that we need. And I choose you in this moment. And I pray for my friends and their families that together we would choose you again and come back to our first love. Thank you for not giving up on us. Father, set us free. Set us free to love because you first loved us. And we'll thank you. Thank you for the gift, this indescribable gift, this agape love. We open our hearts to it. We open our church doors to it and say, even so, come, Lord Jesus, in this moment. And free us to love. Thank you. Thank you. As you hear the heart cries of your people. Thank you, Lord.